it's your very first time coming to a Calpha meeting, uh, first time checking us out, again, so glad you're here. Uh, we love that you're here. We'd love to get to know you better. Uh, and if you've never ever been to a Calpha thing before, never been to a churchy thing before, uh, I want you to know you're absolutely welcome. No matter who you are, uh, where you come from, what you believe, uh, any of those things, man, you are absolutely welcome here. Uh, you belong here. You don't have to meet a certain set of criteria to, to belong with us, man. You, you, you walk to the door, man, you belong. You're family, right? Um, so glad we're here. Uh, if, you guys, if you guys have your Bibles, um, tonight we're going to be in 1 John, the letter of 1 John. If you don't have a Bible, there's uh, some free Bibles uh, for you to either use tonight or just, just take. You can have them. Free Bibles up here on the stage you can grab. Uh, if you, your neighbor may have a Bible, they don't mind you looking over their shoulder at theirs. Um, especially if you sprayed some like smell good stuff on them and be like, hey, this is all right. Um, so First John's going to be uh, going to be towards the end of your Bible. So not the Gospel of John. There's there's going to be four Gospels in the New Testament: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not not the Gospel of John, but towards the end of the Bible, the You've got, you've got three letters from John, and then John also wrote, wrote the Revelation, which is the last book. So towards the end, you've got 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. We're going to be in 1st John chapter 1. 1st John chapter 1. I'm going to pray, and then we can hop into it. God, thank you again so much for uh, tonight. God, thank you for uh, the, the men and women here tonight. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Uh, thank you for the start of a new semester and all the exciting things, God, you have on the horizon for this 2018-2019 school year, God. Um, God, thank you for your great love for us. God, thank you for your word. We pray that you would have your way in this time uh, tonight. God, in, the, in this, this brief time where we're, we're studying your word together, I pray that you would open up our hearts so that we can really receive and understand your word. God, help me to communicate it well. Holy Spirit, would you speak only what you want spoken um, and, and, and help it to connect with hearts tonight. We love you, Father. Jesus, be exalted in all we do. God, have your will and your way above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I asked you in the breakout group time, uh, what is the, what's one of the wildest things you've ever seen with your eyes? And I know I'll put you on the spot with that. That's one of those where like later tonight you're going to think of one and be like, oh man, why didn't I say that? Because like our brain isn't just wired to just come up with that stuff on the spot usually. Um, but that's okay. And so I'll share, I share one of my, I'll share another one with you uh, as well. This is one that I thought of as, uh, earlier this week as, as Jack and I were talking. So um, this is, um, and when I, was, when I was in eighth grade, we were in science class. And there was this uh, kid named Colin in science class um, that he, he was just, man, bullied, uh, ridiculed all the time. There's, there's one, uh, one bully in particular uh, that would just kind of pick on him relentlessly. Like, you, guys know, you guys know the type. Just, just mean, he, he, he decided he was going to pick out this kid that was like a little uncool, maybe a little, little, little heavyset guy, and he's just going to, he's just going to tear into him every day. Uh, so every day he picks on this guy, he bullies this guy, and then one day Colin had just decided he'd had it, right? Something snapped, he'd had enough. Um, and so, so Colin steps, sits up out of his desk, we're, we're in the science classroom, he sits up out of his desk, and he gets right in the guy's face and just like yells, like primal roar, like, ah, like I've had enough, but without using any English. You know, he just yells at the guy, the bully is so shocked. He stumbles backward two, three, four steps, falls backward into the trash can that was in the corner of the room, uh, and he falls all the way into the trash can with just his arms and his feet sticking up out of the trash can, almost like, like in a cartoon or something you'd see out of a movie. Uh, whole class cheers, right? Yay! Um, and uh, and, and, and this, this bully never never picks on Colin again, right, for, for the rest of the year. Uh, it was one of those like poetic justice moments that like you'd see in a, a cartoon or the movies, but like to see it in real life, like, wow, you know, if, I, if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, right, if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, because he was all the way in that trash can, you know, just his hands and feet sticking up out of it, um, and it was fantastic. 
Uh, but, but we've got those things, and, and you guys, I know you've probably seen stuff on YouTube, seen, seen stuff on the Vine, you've seen pictures that you're like, I don't even know if I trust that's true, because you know, Photoshop and stuff, right? But the stuff that you've seen with your own eyes is different, right? No one can come up and tell you the thing you saw with your own eyes didn't happen. You're like, buddy, I was there, right? I know that happened. I, I lived it, right? You can't tell me that, you know, whatever, uh, because I lived it, I experienced it, I was there. And some of the things that we've witnessed are so amazing we might not have even believed it if someone just told us, but because we witnessed it, because we experienced it personally, and we know that it's true. Uh, and so in the text we're looking at tonight, the writer wants us to understand um, that he was a personal eyewitness to the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. You know, some of the things you've maybe heard about Jesus seem too good to be true, seem far-fetched, seem a little wild. Uh, and the author wants you to know that, that he was there. He experienced it himself. He's a trustworthy witness. He said, I get it, man. You've heard some crazy stuff about Jesus, right? You've heard about miracles. You've heard about feeding crowds of thousands of people. You've heard about raising the dead and healing the sick. And I know you've heard some stuff and it's tough to believe, uh, but I want to tell you, man, I was there. I was there. I saw it with my own eyes. I experienced it myself. Uh, he wants us to know the incredible joy and the fullness of life that can come from each of us also experiencing Jesus personally in that way. So tonight we're going to kick off a brand new series, short series. We're going to do these next few weeks in Chi Alpha called Complete Joy. Complete Joy. Uh, and, and why we're calling it Complete Joy is going to be obvious uh, here in a minute. Um, Complete Joy, looking at, again, the New Testament letter of First John. Um, first of all, who, who wrote this letter, First John? Yeah, so, so church, church tradition... Uh, church history, most scholars think, even though he doesn't like name himself, that this was written by John. It has a lot of similarities with the Gospel of John. Uh, a lot of the language that, that the author uses uh, makes us think this was John. And of course, the early, early church historians attributed this letter to John. So probably think this is John. Uh, he's writing it towards the end of his life. He's an older, an older man at this point. He uses a, you know, language in the letter that's almost like a, a grandpa-type figure writing to a younger audience. He says, children, you know, in his encouragement. You know, he calls us, calls us his own children because he loves us like his own kids. Uh, he's teaching, you know, like a father to, to a son or daughter, even a grandfather to a son or daughter. He, he's older, and he wants to make sure the church knows these important truths before he passes away. Um, John, the only one of Jesus' uh, disciples of the remaining 11, 11 apostles that uh, man, wasn't martyred. He wasn't put to death. He had a rough life, and he was tortured. He was exiled, uh, boiled in oil, but he didn't die from it, right? He, 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 died of, he died of old age. He was one of the only uh, disciples that, that got, to, that got to, to live that, that long life and wasn't, you know, wasn't, wasn't executed, wasn't beheaded or, or crucified themselves. Uh, so, so he's writing this letter. Why is he writing this letter? Um, and, and he says, he's going to tell us in a minute why he's writing the letter. His purpose is he wants you all to have complete joy. He wants your joy to be complete. He wants you to experience the fullness of life that God has for you. He doesn't want you living a halfway life or like a, a, a two-quarter life. That's also half. A three-quarter life. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't want you just kind of barely making it or just like barely grasping at straws. He wants you to have a full and complete and meaningful life, full of joy. Um, and man, he knows that's what Jesus wants for you, and that's what he wants for you too. So we're going to pick up 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. John writes this, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the Word, capital W Word there, of life, 
This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and he is revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Your translation might put it this way. We're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. You might have a little note if you've got the, like, the study Bible with the note at the bottom. That, that, or, or it might say, we're writing these things so that your joy might be complete. Uh, the, the language there, we're talking about our, not just mine. Like, I'm, I'm not writing to you so my joy can be complete, but our, yours and mine together. And we could have complete joy. So the purpose of his letter, man, he, he lays it out in verse 4. The reason he's writing this letter, and he wants y'all to have complete joy. He wants you guys to have lives uh, that are full of, of, of the joy of the Holy Spirit, man, full uh, of all that God has for you. Um, that, that's John's purpose, uh, that your joy will be made complete. Um, so, so, so we're going to have three points tonight. The first point is that is complete joy. John's writing so that we would have complete joy. He says that's his purpose uh, in, in writing the letter. It's simple. He wants our joy to be complete. Have you ever noticed... Looking around the world today, man, looking around campus, looking around the city of Memphis, looking around uh, our beautiful planet Earth, that there's a surprising lack of joy, right? If you were to look at most people's lives, are their lives marked with an abundance of joy or not, right? Uh, I'd say probably for most people it would be not, right? Uh, j- just think about your classmates, your coworkers, your family members, your friends, the people you rub shoulders with every week. Uh, are their lives filled with joy? Um, no, there's a big need for that in our world. Uh, what, what is joy? And what's that word mean? You may think, well, I know, I know what that word means. Uh, but joy is, is more than just happiness, right? It's got a deeper, more powerful meaning than that. Uh, happiness is circumstantial, right? If I'm having a good day, I'm happy. You know, J- Jackie makes my favorite meal, I'm happy, right? Everything's going right, I'm happy. I've got, you know, two pennies I can rub together in the bank account, you know, I'm happy. Uh, you know, the things are going my way. The happiness is circumstantial. Joy uh, is not circumstantial, right? Joy is, is deeper than that. It's transcendent. It's unshakable. Um, real joy is deep, uh, a deep happiness, a deep peace, a deep satisfaction. It's unaffected by circumstances. So on a bad day, you still got joy, right? Happiness comes and goes. But on, a, on your worst day, man, you can still have joy. You can still experience that fullness, that satisfaction uh, that only God can give. Uh, it's a feeling of deep fulfillment. Again, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, a deep fulfillment, a deep fulfillment in this life. Is that something anyone here needs? You don't have to raise your hand. I know I do. Uh, that unshakable joy, unshakable joy that only God can give, unshakable joy. Joy is listed as one of the fruit uh, of the Spirit in the New Testament when, when, when uh, you know, Paul's listing out the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy is listed second only to love. You know, it's something that we can't manufacture ourselves and it's a work of the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, the Holy Spirit produces joy in us. Uh, the Old Testament writer of Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. You guys ever heard that? The joy of the Lord is my strength. What does that mean? Is that, again, joy is not circumstantial, man. Joy, joy is transcendent. Joy is deep. And it's that joy that's going to get us through those tough days or those tough weeks or those tough years. Right? When, when stuff is hard, and life is hard, and life is difficult, and life will eat your lunch, chew you up, spit you out, right? Life doesn't care, and it doesn't play. But if the joy of the Lord is your strength, right, that joy is going to get you through the tough days, get you through the tough years, those tough seasons. 
Uh, that joy is going to make you feel in that deep sense uh, of fulfillment, that deep sense of satisfaction that is not based on your circumstance. Um, that life strength or that joy strengthens us and helps us to get through. So John wants you, wants me, wants us to experience that kind of joy. He says, that's my purpose in writing this letter. I want you guys to know that kind of joy. We're not just barely scraping through life. Uh, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not man, depressed or, or hopeless. Uh, but, but no matter the situation, man, you experience the joy of God, the fullness of all that God has for you. Uh, he wants us to experience that kind of joy. And the, the purpose of the letter is to teach us how to have it in full in our lives. How to have complete joy in our lives. So that's, that's the first one. The purpose of John's letter is we'd have complete joy. Number, number two, uh, and John explains that the key to experiencing that level of joy, that level of fulfillment, the key to eternal life itself is in knowing Jesus Christ. So number two is knowing Christ. Jesus is the one that offers eternal life, right? He said there, uh, he said there in verse two, he is eternal life, right? So, so Jesus not only gives us eternal life, Jesus is eternal life, right? He said in the, the gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and what? Yeah. That he is life, right? Uh, he gives our lives their fullness and their meaning. Uh, and not only that, he gives us a gift of eternal life. So when the life on this earth is over with, right, when our time is up, uh, that we have eternal life and spend forever in heaven with God. And only Jesus offers that. Jesus says, I'm the only way uh, to the Father. No one gets to God except through me. And I've got eternal life to offer all those who put their trust in me. Uh, Jesus is eternal life. Um, He's the one that offers us eternal life as the living Son of God. And, and, and again, that's something else that, that John wants to make sure we know. As, as you're reading the Gospel of John, as you're reading the letters from John, John repeats again and again, uh, Jesus is the Son of God. He was the Son of God. Not just a good rabbi, not just a wise teacher, uh, not even just a, a prophet. And Jesus was, was the living Son of God, the Son of God in the flesh. Uh, you know, he wanted to make sure that we didn't get that twisted. We didn't get that turned around. Well, Jesus was just a really good guy, right? Or Jesus was just, man, a really smart teacher. He said, no, it's more than that. Man, Jesus was God. Jesus was the Son of God. Um, and, and, and we talked about, man, the importance of this idea of seeing it with your own eyes. Uh, he also wants us to know that Jesus is not uh, a legend or a myth or a fairy tale uh, or something that rose up from people just exaggerating his story. Uh, it's not an exaggerated story about an ordinary man. Um, John says, no, man, I was there. I was there. It's not a legend. It's not a myth. And the stuff you've heard about Jesus is true. Man, he really did. He really did raise that guy from the dead, right? He really did heal all those people, right? He really did feed, you know, uh, 5,000 people with a Lunchable. I was there, right? I was there. He did it. Um, man, looking back at, at, looking back at, uh, at those first four verses of First John, I want you to notice something for me. I want you to notice something in those first four verses. Um, I got color-coded uh, for, for, for your help there. I want you to notice that four times, four times in these first few verses, he makes us sure that we know that he saw the person and ministry of Jesus with his own eyes. Right? He says, he says I've seen it. Uh, I saw it with my own eyes. We have seen him. We ourselves have actually seen. Right? Again and again, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I was there. Uh, you know, I'm not just another one passing along the story. Uh, but I saw it with my own eyes. Uh, he says, you know, that also that he heard it with his own ears, even that he touched Jesus with his own hands. And this is huge. And this is huge. Uh, you know, yes, these things you've heard about Jesus are amazing, but, but even better than that, they're true. They're true. That Jesus was a real person in history, a real person that lived and breathed uh, and, and, and had, had, had a life, right? 
uh, and had, had friendships and relationships. Um, and, and the accounts we read about in the New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, and John, the, these eyewitness accounts about the life of Jesus, man, these things are true. John says, I was there. Man, I saw it. I'm going to tell you four more times so you remember. I saw it. I saw it. I touched him. I knew him. I listened to him. I heard him. I was there. And this is so important because uh, even at this time in the church, you know, there would have still, again, this is, this is, uh, this is still in the first century, but maybe towards the, towards the late first century. Um, you know, you would have had some people that maybe were still around when Jesus was, uh, but, but most of the people weren't. So John was, was one of the, the youngest of the apostles, right? Probably the youngest of the apostles. Um, you know, so even, even the ones that weren't martyred and put to death. And it was tough being a Christian in the first century. It's tough being a Christian today, but like on a whole other level in the first century when people are putting you to death and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of people probably that, that could say what John's saying here. That, yeah, I, was, I saw Jesus with my own eyes. A lot of these people maybe heard it. Um, you know, from parents, from grandparents, from neighbors. They heard the gospel. They heard the message of Jesus. Uh, so that's why John man, wants them to know uh, this, this thing, that, this message that's circulating around, it's not another legend, right? It's not a fairy tale. You know, that at that time, man, we've got stories about uh, Zeus and Hermes and, and, and all, all, you know, all these mythical gods. And man, that's not Jesus. He's not a myth. I mean, he's not a myth made up by, by, by humans. I mean, he, he, was, he was a living man, and I knew him, right? Man, I, man, I touched him, right? We hung out together. Uh, I listened to him for, you know, for, for three years of my life, man. I ate with this guy, walked with this guy, and we, we would uh, spend all of our time together. Um, I've known Brandon probably a little, little over three years, right? So, so I mean, he, he had that kind of that relationship, even closer, right? Because he, four years, said over, I said over three years. <laughs> uh, you know, but, but he, he saw him. He said, this is not just a myth, not just a legend. Uh, man, I saw it with my own eyes. I experienced it myself. I was there. Um, I mean, that's one of the things that, that makes Christianity, among all the world religions, so unique is this huge abundance of eyewitnesses. Um, and as you, as you read John's account about Jesus, he's writing as an eyewitness. He says, I was there, right? As you, as you read Matthew's account about Jesus, you know, Matthew is one, one of the disciples. He said, I was there. Um, man, Mark, Mark is writing, writing his gospel from, from, from firsthand eyewitness testimony, probably Peter's eyewitness testimony about what he experienced there with Jesus. And Luke, as Luke is compiling his gospel, he's interviewing eyewitnesses, talking to eyewitnesses, talking to Jesus' you know, mom, Mary, talking to other people that, 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 that knew Jesus and, or had been ministered to by Jesus, right? These eyewitness accounts uh, matter, that you'd have multiple eyewitness accounts uh, and confirming that a thing is true. Um, one of the most exciting, exciting things that we have, uh, and I feel like as far as I mean, the whole question of can we trust that the Gospels are true, can we trust that the Bible is true, uh, is going to come in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, um, you've got uh, Paul is quoting a creed of the ancient church. This is an old creed that the church, when they would meet together, when Christians would meet together, they'd recite this creed. It was a creed listing all the people that had seen Jesus alive after the resurrection. You know, so, so Jesus... Uh, he, 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 was, he, he ministered, he preached, he taught, but he was not, uh, even though he was very popular with people, he was also very unpopular with religious leaders and religious people um, that were, were, were jealous of him and even thought the things he was saying were heresy. Because you've got this guy claiming to be God, right? Claiming to be the son of God. And, and, uh, and so you've got the religious leaders that hated this guy. They wanted to put him to death and they had him falsely accused and arrested uh, and put on trial and eventually publicly executed. Right? Jesus hung, uh, hung on a cross, suffered, and died, and everybody saw it. Um, three days later, he rose from the dead. And, and so, so you've got this account. The, the early church wanted to make sure we had a list of everyone that saw Jesus 
uh, after, after the resurrection, right? So it lists it name by name. You know, this person saw Jesus. This person saw Jesus. Uh, and then there in that list, he says upwards to 500, you know, over 500 people at one time. You know, when he appeared to a crowd of people, 500 people at one time that saw, uh, saw Jesus alive uh, after being put to death. 500 is a huge number, right? That's a huge number of eyewitnesses, right? And, and so if I'm going to circulate a creed like that, and this, is, this dates within, uh, you know, six months of the resurrection of Jesus, no, no more than, than four to five years after the resurrection of Jesus, if I'm going to start circulating, uh, circulating a, a verbal document uh, that, that, that all these people saw Jesus alive after the, after the crucifixion, and it wasn't true, right? It seems like there'd be plenty of people who'd be like, no, dude, that didn't happen. Right? Jesus didn't raise from the dead. No, no, they're, they're at the end of that passage in 1 Corinthians 15. It says many of them are still living. Basically, why don't you go ask them, right? Over 500 people saw this guy risen from the dead. Why don't you go talk to them? Why don't you go ask him? Uh, so, so many eyewitnesses. And so if you guys man, have trouble, man, really believing the Bible, believing in Jesus, believing, man, are these stories, are they true? Or are these just some good stories somebody made up, some good morals for us to follow? And I want you to know that we've got good reason to believe um, and that the accounts we have about Jesus are, are historically factual. Man, that these are things that literally happened. And you can bet your life on that. You can trust on that. Because, man, a huge number of people, like John, said, I was there. I saw it with my own eyes. Right? And I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. I experienced him myself. And the key to us experiencing that eternal life, experiencing that complete joy, that fullness of joy, is the same. We need to experience Jesus personally. Right? Now, we don't, we don't have the benefit of living like in the early first century where we could, we, could, we could hang out with him. We could sit there, you know, when he's preaching there on the mount. You know, we can, we can be there when he's, you know, dividing uh, kids, kids' lunch among 5,000 people. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't experience Jesus personally, right? Uh, when you put your trust in Jesus, when you put your trust in Jesus as the Son of God and say, say, say Jesus, man, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you are who the Word says you are. Uh, and I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. And you submit your life to Him. And you start following Him and following His teachings. Uh, and, and, and the way you draw near to Him is in, is in prayer, is in studying the Bible. And you'll, you'll begin to develop a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, and, and you'll see Him at work in your life, right? Him guiding and directing your life, speaking to you through His Word, uh, and, and, and communion with Him in prayer. Uh, you're going to have that kind of personal relationship with Jesus. And that personal relationship with Jesus is key. I mean, if you're going to have fullness of joy, if you're going to have the complete joy uh, that, that, that John's talking about here, he says, man, you've got to know Christ. You've got to know Jesus yourself. It's not enough just to hear the story. I know some of you guys raised in church heard the story 10 million times. Hey, man, Matt, I can tell you about Jesus. Like, I, I, I can stand up here and Matt, I can tell you all the stories. Uh, what John's saying here is it's not enough just to have heard it, right? It's not enough just to have heard the stories uh, and been to Sunday school uh, and you've got to experience Jesus personally. You've got to come to the place where you say, yeah, I, I know Jesus. I know Jesus. Um, when Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount uh, in, Matthew, uh, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is describing uh, the end of time where every human being stands before God in judgment. And, and the way Jesus explains it is the, the entrance exam into heaven. It's a one-question test. One-question test to get into heaven. That's easy, right? One question. Um, the question is, you know, when, when standing before God in judgment is, do I know you or not? Is it, do I know you? In which case, man, welcome home. Welcome home, daughter. Welcome home, son. Well done, good and faithful servant. Man, come experience rest with me or depart from me. I never knew you. And that's what Jesus says. Do you have a relationship with God or God says, yes, I know you. That's my son. 
That's my daughter. And we, and we, we talk, we communicate, uh, and, and, and we love one another, or I don't know you. Now, God knows everybody, right? He's omniscient. But do you have a relationship with him? That's what it means. Or, or when we stand before God in judgment, is it going to be, no, nah, depart from me. I never knew you. We never had a relationship like that. Right? The key to eternal life, the key to a full, meaningful life on this earth and eternal life in heaven with God uh, is knowing Christ, having a relationship with God through Jesus. A relationship with God through Jesus. Um, you know, and again, it's not enough just to hear about him, but you've really got to know him and have a relationship with him. So, so I'm, I'm married to, to Jackie. If you guys have met Jackie, uh, we have a relationship. Um, and, and, and for us to have a relationship, it's not enough that I've just heard about Jackie, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's not enough that I can just tell you all about her because all the good things I've heard about her. That's not a relationship, right? What, what, what needs to happen for it to, be, for it to be a relationship? Like when we started hanging out as friends, when we started, when start, started talking, like what made it go from just someone I'd heard about to a relationship when we were friends? What do you think? Talk to yeah, we talked to each other, right? If I never, ever talked to her, is that a relationship, right? If I was like, hey, I've got a girlfriend, and uh, let me tell you all about her. You know, she's, she's five foot and some inches. Um, she's really pretty. Uh, she's a good singer. Uh, she, she's athletic, all these kind of things. Uh, man, I've heard, I've heard all, man, she makes her great. She does all these things. Um, and you say, oh, yeah, you ever, you ever hang out? You ever talk to her? No. No, don't do that. But man, I can, the things I've heard about her, let me tell you. That's not a relationship, right? It's not a relationship if I've just heard about her. And, and, and so, so some of y'all, man, uh, it's crossing that threshold of, it's not enough just to have heard about Jesus, right? But man, you need to experience him personally. Um, and you need to be following him personally. Maybe you're, you're raised in the church. I mean, now that you're in your college years, it's the time to make that faith your own. Are you going to have a personal walk with God? Because um, it's not enough that, I mean, Grandma walked with Jesus, right? Right? God wants to know, are you going to walk with me? Are you going to follow me? Uh, when we stand before heaven, again, there's that one, one question entrance exam. It's not going to be, man, my, my dad was a great Christian, right? My dad was a pastor, right? That doesn't matter. Did I know you? Did I know you? Right? There, there's, uh, you know, they, they can't, we can't get grandfathered in that way, right? Uh, so we've got, got to know Jesus. We've got to have a relationship uh, with Jesus. Um, and again, the way you enter into that relationship with Jesus, if you'd say, man, being honest, I don't, I don't know that I've ever experienced that. I don't have that in my life. Um, and the, the, the key, again, to having that relationship with God through Jesus um, is, is putting your trust in Him. Putting your trust in Him as your Savior. Um, so I said Jesus was publicly executed uh, on the cross. That's how He died. Uh, the good news of the gospel is that He didn't stay dead. Three days later, He rose from the dead. That's why he's worshipped as God. That's why people believe he is who he says he was. Um, and that, that's why the you know, Christianity spread like wildfire there. Because again, those hundreds and hundreds of eyewitnesses that saw him raised from the dead. But when he died on the cross, it was horrific. And it was terrible. But in that moment, God did the greatest miracle in all of history. As Jesus hung there and suffered on the cross, God took all the punishment that I deserve for everything I've ever done wrong. Everything you've ever done wrong. He took that punishment and he laid it on Jesus instead. Laid it on his son instead. So that when we come to God, when we put our trust in Jesus as our Savior, uh, you know, we don't have to receive the punishment for what we've done wrong, for our sins. Instead, we can receive grace and mercy from God. We don't deserve it. That's what God's done for us in Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. Man, that's why the cross is such a powerful image because that's our forgiveness. Bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus, right? So when we put our trust in Jesus, 
uh, Jesus, please make me right with God. Forgive me. He does. He does. What he did on the cross, man, makes you clean. When God looks at you, he doesn't see everything he's done wrong. Man, there's a, there's a fresh start there. For a brand new heart, he cleans you up. Uh, and you get adopted into the family of God as a son, as a daughter. Uh, and you have eternal life uh, w- w- with God when this life on earth is over. Right? By putting your trust in Jesus, saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. That means, man, I want to follow you. I don't want to follow my own desires. I don't want to be the boss of my own life. I've seen what my life looks like when I'm in the driver's seat, and it's a mess. Right? Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. I want to follow you. I mean, that's what it means to enter into that relationship with God. And that's something that's available to every single one of you uh, here tonight. So having complete joy, knowing Christ. And the final thing tonight, uh, we'll wrap up talking about having fellowship with one another. So what John says is that because we've entered into this relationship with Jesus, and because we're starting to experience Jesus for ourselves, that creates fellowship, not just with God. We don't just have fellowship with God now, but also that creates fellowship uh, with one another. We're able to experience true and meaningful fellowship with one another. Our mutual pursuit of Christ knits us together as a family of brothers and sisters with God as our Heavenly Father. Verse 3, uh, 1 John 1, 3 reads this way in the New International Version. It says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. He says, man, I'm proclaiming these things. The reason I'm making sure you know about Jesus uh, is that by proclaiming that, by you believing that, entering into that, uh, now you've got fellowship with us. Now we're family, right? Uh, belief in Jesus makes true fellowship possible. It makes true community possible. You may be part of a lot of communities, right? The campus, the university is a community. Maybe your dorm floor is a community. Maybe you're part of another organization, that's a community. Um, but it's on a whole other level when you've got a Christian community uh, where you guys are pursuing Jesus together and you really love one another. You're really invested in one another's lives. You're helping each other to grow. Uh, it's a different kind of community, you know, um, where we're, we say we're not perfect, but, but we're trying to grow. We're trying to go grow and trying to be more like Jesus. Uh, we're trying to love each other in the same way that he's loved us. Uh, and as college students especially, man, there is a desperate, desperate need for real community. Uh, at y'all's age, maybe more so than any other, any other time in your life, you have a, a desperate and even felt need for community. It's that need for community that, that, that makes your peers do some crazy stuff to get community, right? So they can feel like they belong, feel like they fit in somewhere. People are willing to go to extremes, do things they would never do because they're burning to experience community. You know, God designed us to be in community. Uh, designed us to be to, to be part of a group, part of a team. None of us can make it alone. We weren't made to make it alone. Um, just a couple things about community. You know, so government statistics tell us that anywhere from a third to half of college freshmen either drop out or flunk out. Have you guys heard that? Uh, a high percentage of freshmen, uh, not you guys, not you guys, but the freshmen out there uh, are gonna. You know, a lot of them will either flunk out or drop out uh, in that first year. Uh, many of you probably already had professors try to intimidate you to get you to drop their class um, and, and make you think that it's going to be too difficult for you. And it's not. You can do it. Uh, college can be tough. It's a lot of work. Uh, and there are students that fail because they can't handle the workload. Um, again, that's not you guys because you guys are super smart and you've got each other to, to tutor each other and help each other. Um, man, I was encouraged last week at our Calpha kickoff, uh, two students had already said, yeah, over the weekend, you know, uh, RJ was helping me with my calculus. I'm like, dude, that's it. That's the body, right? Being there for each other. Um, 
You know, so don't be surprised. Again, not y'all in this room, but out there, if some of your classmates don't come back next semester, because it's, it's just normal. It's just normal for a lot of freshmen not to come back. But why is that? And why is that? It seems like some students succeed when others fail. Um, the, the, this article from the Chronicle of Higher Education regarding that high dropout rate says, studies showed that students were not, by and large, flunking out. Academically, these students could have stayed in school, but they didn't. The theory was and remains that what drove these students out of college was alienation, a sense of not belonging. You know, a lot of students stop coming because they, they don't ever feel like they fit in in college, so they go back to their hometown where their, where their high school friends were. They, 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 they miss being close to their family. They say, man, maybe college just isn't for me. Uh, but it's not that they couldn't handle it academically. It's that that desperate need for community wasn't being fulfilled, and they felt lonely. You know, students need to feel like they belong. The college experience can be incredibly lonely. Uh, and man, that's, why, that's part of the reason why man, suicide rates and depression rates are the highest among your age than any other segment of the population. The kind of 18 to 25 college age um, uh, is so high because cause, cause, cause college can be desperately lonely. Even though you're surrounded by people, you can have that feeling of being lost in a crowd, right? That, that I've got, you know, again, 23,000 people around me, but without close relationship, that, that almost makes me even more lonely. Um, you feel isolated, you feel disconnected, uh, because again, you need those meaningful connections, you need real community. Uh, and again, those students that drop out, many of them, it's because uh, they can't take the isolation. Um, a couple semesters ago, uh, the administration here at the University of Memphis sent a representative to speak to the various pastors of their religious life uh, campus organizations uh, to let us know different ways we can serve the campus. And one comment uh, that she made really stuck with me. That, that according to a study that the University of Memphis had done with their own students, they said the highest retention rate, I mean students that stuck with it, finished out, graduated, uh, were among those students that were involved in religious organizations. The highest retention rate. So even, even the, the university recognized, man, there's a need to be a part of a community, not just any community, but a community that's going to help you and mature and grow spiritually. Like that's a need that we have. Uh, the university recognizes it. Um, and you, you need that community that's going to help you grow emotionally, socially, spiritually. Uh, it's difficult to navigate life alone. Right? We need each other. We need each other. We need community. Uh, and again, that's what Kyle is, and that's what Kyle wants to be. In a family, a community, uh, where you can say, I belong, and I belong here. I've got, I've got brothers, sisters that care about me here, people that are going to walk through life with me. If I've got a need, I, mean, I, can, I can share it with my Kyle family. Um, and they're going to pray for me. They're going to encourage me. If they're able to meet the need, they're going to figure out a way to meet it. Uh, we're going to be there for each other, right? Uh, if you're an upperclassman and, and, and Calva's been that for you, could you throw a hand up so you could? Yeah, exactly. Um, we're there for each other, right? Like, like man, if, you're, if you're in a community, you're not going through it alone. Uh, we need each other. We need each other. So Calva's a place, like I said at the beginning, where everyone's accepted. Everyone belongs. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've been through, what you've done, uh, what your background is. You know, we're a community that's going to love you and encourage you and help you to grow to be the person that God wants you to be. Um, I first got involved with Kyle as, as a student many, many years ago. We don't have to say how many. Um, I was a Christian when I came to college, but Kyle really helped me to stay a Christian in college. Does that make sense? Uh, the pull of temptation on campus, man, I know it is real. Just the gravity of that, that the party culture, right, is so strong. Uh, and the, the, that's why, man, so many, so many college young adults will fall away from their faith during their college years, leave the church during their college years. But somebody invited me to Kyle and I went. Uh, and, and, and that group of guys, that group of girls quickly became a family for me, a, a family away from my home family. Um, and I started going to, to, to a guy's life group. 
uh, that met in the basement of a dorm, right? We'd have Bible study together, and those guys became like big brothers to me, and they poured into me, they invested into me. Um, that community was essential for me surviving college, and, and not just surviving, you know, my, my, my faith, but really growing in my relationship with God. You know, making my relationship with God my own, making it personal, um, instrumental in my life, and that's also where I felt God calling me. Man, I want you to give your life to reaching university students, helping create that community for other people. Amen. So Jesus has made it possible for us to have real fellowship, real community with one another. Uh, and again, even if you're not sure what you think about Jesus or what you think about Christianity, you're still absolutely welcome to join us with anything we do. You belong. You fit in. Uh, you are absolutely welcome here. You've got a lot of options out there on campus of different clubs, different activities, uh, different forms of community. So I want you guys to kind of think, your, think about these questions uh, as you're evaluating the communities you can be a part of. Is this community going to help me grow closer to God? Will this community accept me and be there for me no matter what, no strings attached? Will this community help develop me into the person that God wants me to be? Right? So, so finding communities that are going to help you. I would love if you make Kyle for that community, right? Make Kyle for your home. Make Kyle for your family. Uh, again, again we, we love you. We're glad you're here. Uh, there's people here that, that are going to encourage you, going to help you, help you through tough situations. Uh, we want to be that for you. So that's the last one, community, uh, fellowship. So wrapping up, John writes this letter first and foremost because he wants you to know Jesus, right? You know, John spent time with Jesus. It transformed his life. He wants to make sure everyone he meets uh, knows this Jesus. He wants your joy to be complete. And that's why we're calling this short series Complete Joy because he wants you to experience that fullness of life that only comes uh, from walking with Jesus. And there's going to be some more keys to that. We'll be dropping these next couple weeks. Um, he wants that joy to be complete in you. He wants you to have fellowship with God. And, and fellowship with other believers uh, in a community. Uh, so I'd like to pray for you as we wrap up. Uh, pray for you tonight about those things. Um, again, if you've never entered into a relationship with God, by putting your trust in Jesus that way, man, you got a chance tonight, right? Uh, you don't have to wait for or, or for this or that, or wait for Sunday, or, or do this over here. Uh, man, we can pray tonight, right? Or maybe you're far away from God, and maybe you used to walk with Jesus, but like honestly, it's been a while, and you're far from God, and you want to kind of rededicate your life to Him tonight. I want to pray for you to have you have the option to do that as well. Uh, and you say, Matt, man, I'm following Jesus, but looking at my life. I'm not experiencing that complete joy like John is talking about. I want more of that fullness of joy in my life. I want to pray uh, that for you as well. Amen. So could you guys bow your heads? I want to take a minute and pray. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that, that we have this letter uh, from John faithfully passed down to us, that it's an encouragement uh, today. It's as much an encouragement to us in 2018 as it would have been uh, there in the first century, God, to that first audience, that first church that un unraveled it and read it. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that you've shown us through your word the way to have a full and complete and meaningful life. You've shown us the key to eternal life, God, when this life is over. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to do for us what we could never do for ourselves to pay the penalty for our sins on the cross so we can be forgiven and made right with God. And God, I thank you that wasn't the end of the story, but Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death and the grave forever so that we can know confidently when we put our trust in Jesus and Jesus promises eternal life, we can take that to the bank because he conquered death himself.